Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Presents. I have with me um, someone now who's a regular guest on the show, and that is Leighton Cleverly. Oh, hello. Hello again. Hello. Uh, hopefully uh, people won't be getting bored of what I've got to say and listening <laughs> to me waffle on too much. I promise we're going to be quicker with it tonight, I promise. <laughs> That's all. Uh, thank and you. Man. Happy New Year to everybody who, who is listening as well as we're recording this right at sort of first week of January. Yeah, New Year, fresh start for everybody. Um, and in this episode, what, what we're trying to do is just talk about some of the everyday mistakes uh, we've made with film, um, probably from a beginner's point of view, maybe the questions um, you're thinking about or you've gone through, and then Leighton's going to try and um, speak from experience and help us get through them. Yes. Are you ready for that? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so your first one, very, very simple. Um, some of us have struggled loading film. Um, where do we, what we're doing wrong, uh, what we're doing right, well, how do we do it properly? Right. I mean, every, every camera is pretty much different on this one, but um, there's, there's a few things that are sort of shared amongst all types of cameras. Um, I'm going to ignore electronic-based ones for a minute and look at the sort of manual-based ones. Okay. Generally, when you load the film and you you pull it out of the mm. cassette or out of you know your 120 spool or, or roll, I should say, and you put it onto the take-up spool, when you close the back and you start to advance to the first frame, the biggest indicator to look for is the rewind crank because that should start to move and it should as you go through the roll the rewind crank will move all the time every time you take a photo it should advance you know if it doesn't at all you know you be very very suspicious of what's going on yeah the other thing is that sometimes it won't move in the first three or four pictures uh, because the, the it sort of like goes a bit loose in the cassette but what you can do is if you're a little suspicious is you can actually turn the rewind crank a little bit and take that slack back up again and if you start to feel resistance then you're probably okay if however you don't feel anything be very suspicious that the camera's not loaded correctly i mean the other big indicator is is if it's a camera you're not familiar with, is try and load it somewhere quiet because if it doesn't go into the spool properly or clips out or flicks out, it will make a noise, but it won't be very loud. It'll probably make a tick noise. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you're advancing the film, you will hear a noise in the camera. You hear a, a sort of, you know, plastic sliding around noise yeah. as the film is advancing. You don't hear any of these then be very suspicious about what is happening inside the camera. You know, um, but the, the rewind crank is the, biggest, is the biggest one. The modern era electronic type cameras, um, like, you know, like the sort of latest generation of Canons, Nikons, that sort of thing, when you put the film and you press the back close, they usually automatically wind on. Those you should it should make quite a noise 
you should hear a, a sort of plastic crinkly noise as the film's pulled through and then it should be set at number one and then it's ready to you know it's ready to shoot if none of these things happen there and you close the back it you don't hear any other noise and it doesn't go to frame number one then there's obviously something has gone wrong in there but I tend to find that those very rarely fail to go on. It's the manual cameras are much, much worse. Mm. And can be a lot awkward as well. Um, yeah. Things like Leicas are awkward to load. You know, I would advise you to go and watch a video on those because they are, they're, they're awkward. And you need to get used to using them. It's like a lot of things. They're easy once you're used to it. But getting used to it takes the time. So I think that pretty much covers most of the problems you can have when you're loading a, you know, when you're loading film. I can't really think of anything, yeah. <laughs> of anything else from no, I think, I think, just making sure it's working. Yeah, I think you're right with a visual clue. Yeah. Because um, like we've said, if you're just looking at the exposure counter, one, two, three, whatever, um, that's not always true because film can get right. stuck, but yep. your shutter still works, doesn't it? And counts. So. It does, yes. The yeah. counter's going up, but you might not actually be doing anything. Yeah. It's happened to me on more than one occasion. And, uh, you know, you the worst time is when you don't catch it. You're, you're busy, you're on, the, you're on the street, you're busy, you're at, you're at a do uh, on a photo shoot, and you just don't, quite notice that it hasn't loaded properly and you can guarantee that's the one time it goes wrong yeah so but the, with pro it's like all these things with practice problems become less and less and less yep yeah. and if you struggle like you say consult a manual yeah yeah exactly and i mean in this day and age there's a lot of online like youtube's a great one because i bet you tend to want somebody on youtube has done a video of loading your camera. Yeah, I think um, what I'll do is I'll have to add a couple um, because there isn't many on like the Bronica, to be honest. No, no, there probably isn't. So it's probably a good idea for me to do a couple there. And yes, yes, I mean medium format is slightly different. It is than yeah. a thirty-five millimeter anyway, because you've got to get the the arrows lined up and then yeah. And then pull it across. Um, I mean, full disclosure on that one: I don't shoot medium format. I only shoot thirty-five millimeter. Um, I'm just—I say just a thirty-five millimeter shooter. So, yeah, no, 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 that's cool. Um, I think the only caveat there was my Olympus trip. Uh, it actually rewinds around the spool backwards to what you're used to. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which is a little confusing on your first look. Yes, yeah, when you open it up and go, um, oh, okay, it works backwards. Hmm. I mean, sometimes there are cameras that pull all the film out and then work their way back into the canister again. But, yeah, it's, there's many and varied. Check your, check your manual, you know, have a, have a look. They're, they're not too difficult to figure out. Once you can load one camera, you can pretty much load anything because they all generally work the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, with with caveats there, but no, that's cool. Right, anyway, shall we? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, on that one. 
The second one was what I've done a couple of times. Um, I've went too far. The film's gone into the canister, and I thought, oh, is this okay to send to a lab? Or um, is it any different um, for processing at home? Um, generally, no. Uh, there's no problem with rolling everything straight back into the uh, straight back into the canister. Uh, I mean, you get a little, you get a proper tool for uh, popping the top off in a, in a dark environment. Um, at home, you can use a bottle opener, just pull it off, get it out, and away you go. In a film lab, they have a tool that will retrieve the leader out. Um, you can get those for at home as well. I've never used one, never never really seen the point of them. Hmm. Um, but uh, I, I don't think I've told I don't think I've told you this, but uh, my uncle actually was a press photographer for the Birmingham uh, Birmingham Mail, I think it was, or Birmingham Post, uh, big newspapers. Amazing. Yeah, and he was shooting thirty five millimeter doing obviously newspaper type things the advice from him was when you um get the film out obviously on 35 millimeter try and leave a little bit of leader pointing out at the end or if you have a camera that leaves a leader out at the end put a crease in the end of the leader so pull it over and crease it for the number for one it shows that it's been exposed because it's very easy if it leaves the leader out to accidentally expose a film twice and the second thing what i do is i put a number of creases into the number of stops that i've pushed the film because quite often i'll take 400 iso film and i'll rate it at 1600 and then i'll push process it so it becomes pushed. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do then is when it's shot, it gets a crease in it. If it's shot at 800, it'll get another one. If it's shot at 1600, it'll get another one. Ah. So I pull it out and go, oh, three creases. This is um, being shot at 1600. So those need to be ah, done. Oh, I shot this one at box speed. So it just needs a normal processing. Because obviously what you don't want to do is mix up how, how you've shot them, yeah. Which, I, which I'm not going to put my hand up and say it, but everybody has screwed that up at some point. Yeah. Because you've just chucked it into your bag or your pocket. You said I'll deal with it later, and you never do. Yeah. So it's best to just pull it out, put the creases in, and that way you don't need to write on with a pen or anything. You just know straight away what's happened. And then if you pull it out of the bag when you're looking for fresh film, you know it's been shot straight away. And, you know, that's what I tend to do. If you want to feel that um, electronic rewind cameras will generally, there's a setting that you can say leave a leader or take it in. Most will leave a leader out, so you can can just do that. Uh, If you're in a manual camera, you know, with a rewind crank, if when you're rewinding, you can go fairly quick at, at the beginning, but after you've done it for a little while, when you come to the end and it pulls out of the take-up spool, you can actually feel it come out. There'll be a little bit of resistance, and then suddenly the resistance is gone. 
that's when you're you're back to just the leader out. Might need a little, you might need a little bit of practice just to get it, but once you've done it two or three times, you can feel that really quickly. So you can rewind fairly fairly quick mm, okay. on that one. So that's probably my that's probably my advice on that one. Okay, no, no, that's good. Yeah. So though, what we're saying is, it doesn't really matter to be honest. No, not really. But you can take advantages of. Of, of this you know if you never push your film and it's always shot at box speed or whatever then don't worry about pulling the leader in it really makes no difference whatsoever yeah i mean for, for anyone developing at home um my first few ones i i had them all the way in which then i had to think how do you actually get the cap off because i'd never done that <laughs> um yes. and actually brute force and brute force the only way that works yeah um Leighton said that before, you can use a bottle opener. Now, I've got a modern blood one. So let me tell you, that's pretty hard to get the end of a film canister. Mm, they're crimped. <laughs> yeah. They are crimped fairly hard. Yeah. Um, you, you can use all sorts. I've actually used scissors before. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, you can hack your way into yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, really, it's not ideal pulling film all the way back out through the curtain you know, through the little fuzzy curtain yeah. at the at the end anyway, because it, it can scratch a film. I know people that have never had a problem. I know people that have had problems. I don't personally do it. I try to minimise, you know, problems yeah. for yourself. You don't, you don't, it, it's difficult enough as it is. You don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be giving yourself more problems. Yeah, that's right. I think the the only reason I was extra (laughs) careful was I wanted to keep the film um, ready uh, in case I want to bolt load my own. Mm. So, so in that case, you really need to keep uh, your canister good, and then you have to keep a little bit of film on the end. Yeah, Yeah. we'll not worry about that for now anyway. So, either way, not not a massive issue. and the next one. So I've got to the end of my film and I realised the film didn't wind. Is a ways around this. Uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, when you say you didn't, the, the film didn't wind, what, what, what do you mean? Exactly? So it got to exposure 24 mm. and, you, and you, you try rewinding and it's either already fully rewound or it's partly wound. So you've only probably exposed some of your film, or actually none. It just kept wrapping itself around each other. Okay, I've never really had too much of a problem with that. Okay. But depending on whether you care about the film or not, mm-hmm. you know, if you've shot half of a film and you've got a problem, then there's nothing you can do in the field. You need somewhere dark. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with it in the dark. I had a problem with this. Uh, I was on holiday. I'd taken my Canon 30, and I had uh, a bulk-loaded film in there. I shot the film, and what I hadn't realised is in the heat where I was, the, the tape holding the film had come off, 
and it had gone soft and come off. Wow. So, of course, all of my film is now on the take-up spool in the camera and none of it's connected to the to the cassette to rewind it. No. So I'm like, oh, I haven't got, I haven't got a dark room. <laughs> I haven't got a changing bag with me. Hmm. What am I going to do? In the end, what I did do, now this is a very useful thing, is hotel bathrooms generally don't have windows in them. Mm-hmm. Leave it till leave it till night time. Turn all the lights off in your room. Close the curtains. Shut the bathroom door. It will be dark enough to deal with the film, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I took out the, I took out the, opened the back, took out the cassette. I very gingerly found the end of the film that was stuck in the camera, rewinded, uh, put it back onto the take up. Because uh, onto the spool in the cassette, mm-hmm. put it back in in the camera, and fortunately it rewound. Yeah. I managed to get away with it. <laughs> Other than that, that's it. It's day, your day's over. You need to go home and get it sorted. Sadly, you do get up to a point where there's nothing you can do, yeah. or you're going to end up sacrificing the role of film. It's as, it, it's like. Unfortunately, those are the only two choices. Yeah. So if you've already opened the back up, you're in trouble. Or if you've already realised, would you reshoot it and do double exposure, or would you just make do with what you've got? I'll make do with what I've there got. There you go. Basically, yeah. it's uh, it's like that. I mean, it's one of the reasons why quite often I carry two bodies with me. Okay. If I have one as a problem, I pull out the spare. Yeah. So. And I carry on. Yeah. Um, again, if I'm dodging in and out of dark buildings, like in Italy when we were there, we're on the street and it's massively sunny. In the buildings, it was really dark. So I got one one body with, um, you know, my 400 choice ISO film of choice, pushed to 1600 for inside, and I got box speed 400 for outside. You know, the, again, though, you do sacrifice with the fact that you've got to carry all this gear with you. So, yeah. as I said, it's always compromise and swings and roundabouts. What you lose on the swings, you gain on the roundabouts. So, hmm. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. Now, let's see if uh, Leighton's made this mistake. I've sent off quite a few blank films for processing by the lab. No, I haven't, mm. because I do, with number two, it's either rolled all the way in or it's creased on the end. Mm. So I know what I've shot and what I haven't. Yeah. So that is the one, that's about one of the mistakes that I've not done is actually processed a blank roll. The only time I processed a blank roll was when I had a shutter fail and I didn't realise. Okay. And I had a blank roll. Because uh, I was like, oh, what have I done? And then I took out the roll underneath and it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I went, I've got a dead shutter, which I was very annoyed about, oh, as you can imagine. Yeah. But that that one, you minimise problems with just, you know, getting a good routine of what you're doing. You settle into a routine. I mean, the more that you do it, the more that you do film photography and you get into your own routine of doing things, then that's when you don't make the, where the mistakes stop. Yeah, I think you're right. It's something I've got to work on this year. And I think because yeah. I started developing myself, uh, it's something I've learned. So 
Yeah. I think for anyone listening, get in good habits. Yes. I mean, remember, there's no right or wrong method. Yeah. It's just do whatever works for you. As long as your images are turning out how you want them, great. Don't let anybody tell you you're doing it wrong. It's whatever. If it works for you, it works for you. I can guarantee that, well, I know, I mean, I know this for a fact that you work differently to me Mm. and I work differently to my friends. Mm. We all have our own little workflows and whatever's how it works. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think um, uh, one of the best solutions here, um, because it's probably a lazy or a stupid thing uh, I've done, um, I have all my films more or less in the same box, whether they've been shot or they're ready to shoot. Yeah. So now I've got a separate box, so right on the on the top of it yeah. to shoot, yeah. and then another box. Yes, what shot? And what yeah, shot. that's probably yeah. Um, dark as well. So yeah, it wouldn't do it any harm. Yeah. Again, you know these these things as you build up your own methods and your own organisations and your own way of doing things, you'll find that mistakes will peter out fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. Okay. Right. You want to hit me with... The next one for Dr. Layton. <laughs> <laughs> the film doctor. <document's> <laughs> this one uh, I've done uh, several times. If you've got a standard SLR, Sometimes there's nowhere on the camera for you to remember what film you've put in. And, of course, I've then totally forgot either when I'm shooting Mm. and then it's too late afterwards. Um, It's, I mean... Well, there's... I mean, the majority of, of cameras have a meter in. Yep. So, I mean, your meter, your ISO on the meter should be set to what, to what you're using. I, mean, yeah. I minimise it because I only ever shoot two or three film stocks. So I know if it's set to 100, I'm using foam 100. Yep. If it's set to 400, it's probably HP 5+. plus. If it's set to 1600, it's definitely going to be HP 5+. plus. <laughs> so for me, it, it isn't so much of a problem. Yep. But if you do forget what you're shooting, and I mean, the biggest problem is you forgot what you were shooting and you've shoved it in your bag and you go, did I shoot it at 1600 or did I shoot it at 400? Mm, That's another one, yeah. Yeah. What you can do, if you don't know what you shot it at, use stand development because whether you shot it at 100, 400 or 1600, it's the same development. Uh, Okay. So you can get away with it. Obviously, that doesn't work for colour film. Yeah. It only works for black and white film. Yeah. But as I've said before, I shoot almost zero colour. Unless I've done something funky and made my own red scale film. But that's something for a completely different conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yes, you can get away. If you're not sure what you shot it with, then you can use stand development and it will it will give you images and it may well get you out of out of any problems mm. but again referring back to you know what when you re- rewind your film then you'll know what you've got when it comes out the camera and 
also make notes. Carry a pen with you, and you can write on. You can write on the film. You can write on the backing paper. You can write on the canister, and just make a note of what it is. Again, getting into your the way of working, then that is what gets around these problems. Yeah. Yeah. Is your workflow. Yeah. Oh, that's a good word. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, might, I might patent that <laughs> along with sky blue thinking. On <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, you get into your, your way of doing things. Hmm. Most of these problems will drop off. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's we've all been there and done it and used... 27 different types of film mm. but to be honest with you i come down to using just two or three and that's it anymore i mean i've i've got some i mean don't get me wrong i get excited when there's a new film come out I'm like ooh, new film mm. but then i end up just shooting what i'm used with because used to because i know how it works that's a, yeah. i know what i can do with it i know what i can extract out of it yeah um, but don't let that stop you experimenting I mean, I've got a roll of film Farina P30 downstairs, okay. which I bought in Italy not like a year ago, and I still haven't actually shot it yet. <laughs> I'm saving it for a special occasion, and I have no idea why. <laughs> I should just go out and shoot it. Yeah. So I should just go out and use it. Yeah. But, you know, anyway. So I think that pretty much covers, covers that issue, I think. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is, Look for an uh, an SLR that has like a little film window on the back of where the film uh, back opens up, and there's just enough room on there mm. to slide in the edge from your film packet. Now they're yeah, they're not yeah, they're not on all really budget ones. So, like on an Olympus OM10, you don't have it. You have to buy the top of the range like OM. Mm. one two sort of range um but honestly uh, as a beginner it saves your life it really does um yes yeah i mean as i said you get used to it as you you know as you as you go if you use them all i mean some of the more modern slrs actually have a, a sort of viewport that you can see the film you've got loaded okay that's good as well, so uh, my Leicas have got that. My Canons have got that as well. Uh, I'm trying to think. Certainly, my One V has it. My Thirty does, which in fact I'm looking at it on the shelf. I've got to dig it out and get some batteries for that. Um, I've, I've got some old, older bodies and cheaper bodies, which I think has got it as well. So, you know. To, See what see what you've got. As I said, if you if you know there's a weak point, you can plan around it. It's when you're starting out and you go ah, <laughs> we've all been caught with those ah moments. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, so, so to, that should give you a few ideas to get around that one. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and and it's also necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, you know, you can always do something. You know, but I mean, as I said, I'm quite practical with these things. You know, I'll I'll build things and uh, and mess around with things. Yeah, M- much to my wife's horror sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> as a, what are you doing? I'm going into the garage and I'm not coming out until I've invented something. 
which will probably be appalling and, and of limited use, but yeah, we'll get the job done. I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. You want to throw another uh, throw another issue at so, us? Uh, or at us, I should say. It's a conversation. <laughs> it's just, uh... I, I've had this one a couple of times where a back of cameras um, opened. Uh, uh, okay. One, one of them, so first one, this one this one is a pet hate of mine i see so many people on the internet go oh i opened the back of my camera okay if you open the back of your camera it it doesn't matter film is actually opaque most of the time you don't actually ever see your film and the bit that you see is just the leader of the film but that is exactly what your film looks like if you open the back of your film and you're halfway through a shot, you will lose the shot that's over the shutter at the moment and you will probably lose two other shots and that's it. That's all you will lose. Yeah. Because the fir- the film itself is actually light tight. It's light proof. Mm. That when it's on that take-up spool at the end and it's very, very, very tightly wound, light doesn't get in. It's fine. You'll lose three shots. On 35 millimeter, yeah. you might lose two or three on uh, 120 medium format. Yeah. So don't panic. It's annoying. It's not the end of the world. Don't think you've got to rip the whole film off and everything's ruined. No, it isn't. You've lost three shots. Yeah. I've done it. I've done. I've. I've, I've probably done it three or four times. So don't worry about it. It's not a problem. So I see people you know, having a fit online, and you and you go. No, it's fine, honestly. Because anything that's in the take-up spool is fine. Uh, sorry, in the cassette is fine. Anything at the other end is that tightly rolled, light can't get through. You're fine, honestly. So don't do not do it. Mm. You know, if you can help it, try not to do it. But it doesn't really matter that much if you do it. Mm. So you'll lose three shots. Yeah. Try not to drop your camera as well. Dropping your camera is not good for them. Nah. I mean, bearing in mind, all film cameras are probably now at least 10 years old. Mm. I mean, i got a friend of mine. He does drop his camera on occasion, and it, it really does make no difference, but try not to do it. Uh, it's what it's what neck straps are for. <laughs> you know, you should always have a strap, either a wrist strap or a neck strap around your around your neck obviously it's a good place to put your neck strap around your neck uh (laughs) sorry listeners um just to stop gravity because i mean gravity is a cruel mistress yeah you know it's not going to do your it's not going to do your uh your your camera any favors it really isn't it's not very you know and worst case scenario they go crunch they don't bounce so you could risk actually breaking something. So, I mean, what I've got um, on my, I know I've referred to them before, on, on my Leicas, I've got one with an X strap and one with a wrist strap. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the wrist strap is fantastic, mm. but you, when you've got this thing sliding about on your wrist and you're trying to do other things, you know, you, mm. you're sort of killing pedestrians with it because it's like a, it's like ways like a house brick. Uh, okay. Um, that's where the advantage of the neck strap comes on. But the neck strap, when you're doing street photography, is a pain because you've got a massive camera sat in the middle of your chest. Mm. 
So, you know, you show up from a mile and a half away. Mm. Um, so, you know, the swings and roundabouts. Not only that, it's sometimes if, like, at this time of the year, I actually do go and do a little bit of landscape stuff. And if it's a bit windy and you've got a neck strap, it's, it's like a sail. It's <laughs> making your camera vibrate on the tripod and it's pulling your camera over. I mean, I'm very partial to getting on the beach with my cameras as well. Yeah. So, you know, doubly, you don't want to drop your, your camera into, into sand. Oh, no, no, no. You know, as, or into salt water. Mm. There's a big fallacy that weather-sealed cameras are waterproof. No, they're not really waterproof. <laughs> the way I tend to do it is if I'm not happy with the rain, neither is my camera. Yeah. So living in Scotland, that happens quite often. <laughs> so, you know, you try not to get things too wet. I mean, the other thing is as well, always remember if you're out shooting and it's cold, don't come and bring your camera out in a warm house. The first thing it will do is condensate, mm -hmm. which I think I might have mentioned this before, but I can't remember if I have. Mm. Uh, that does the electronics no good whatsoever Yeah, if your camera has electrics. If your camera doesn't have electrics, it doesn't do springs and gears and... And stuff like that, a lot of a lot of good. I mean, they are precision instruments at the end of the day. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's not too, not too bad there. So, um, I think that covers everything on that topic from my point of view. You forgot one other strap. Oh, did I? This is because you don't shoot medium format. Right. Shoulder strap. Uh, yeah, for the for the heavy beasts. Yeah. So uh, when I've been uh, out on the street with a Bronica, uh, I tell you what, a shoulder strap is fabulous because you can move the camera up and down the strap from your waist to your mm. level, like lying in. And yeah, it's secured yeah. via the tripod mount. So, it's mm -hmm. great. however. One time I walked up uh, the infamous steep hill in Lincoln um, and the camera caught the railing and the film back um, fell off. Oh, okay. I could see that would be annoying. Yeah, so that was a quick, oh, uh, <laughs> took my jacket off really fast, covered it up. Yes, yeah, so you'd have burnt, uh, you'd have burnt that. That shot, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think you're talking of um, probably yeah, two, two shots. To be honest, yeah, yeah. That's more annoying. That that's more of annoying of an of an annoyance. So yeah. So no, that's pure. Extra careful there. Yeah, it's just a pure accident. These things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, I agree. Um, now the last one's not so much a mistake, but. Do you think it's important to record settings when shooting? Because obviously you don't have anything to if, remember by if, otherwise. Yeah. If you're shooting roll film, like, you know, anything that's on a roll, so you shoot, you know, medium format, you shoot um, 35 millimeter, then no, because what real difference does it make? Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of people online saying, oh, how did you shoot this? What aperture did you use? It's all pretty subjective. And, you know, if you yeah. put in the same set as, as them, 
you are not going to get the same results. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it comes down to metering, setting your light, and then doing it. Uh, with 35mm, I don't worry about it. The, the bigger the format, the more you need to worry about it. So, you know, even on medium format, you're starting to mm, making almost, you know, it, every shot is done with the different settings. Uh, but when it comes to large format photography, then you're probably going to start using the zone system and you're going to have to write everything down because you are going to develop based on how you shot that particular slice of film. Yeah. When you're shooting roll film, it's it's pretty much all over the place because everyone is different and there's 36 of them. So your meter will generally put everything in the same place. So you develop that entire roll and that's what you got. But with a, a per shot, you know, a per a, a settings that you can set individually per frame then you really need to write it down. You need to write that stuff down. Hmm. Okay. On there. But, you know, I have to admit, do I write anything down? No, I don't. Hmm. So I don't really care whether it was shot at one, uh, at one one fiftieth or one, one two fiftieth. I don't really care. You know, I, um, <laughs> it's, I'm the same as you. Yeah. I, I, I think it's good to be away from the, digital side of knowing your settings in some ways yeah yeah exactly um let you know you take a meter you know meter it yourself with the sunny 16 rule or whatever as long as that shot is correct when you correct for the iso when you develop it it's developed you know it's as it's as simple as so but as i said don't just because that's what i do you know, don't be constrained by what I do. If you want to make copious notes when you when you're out shooting, carry on. You know, I, it's entirely up to you. There's no, as I said before earlier on, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's only guides how people work. So yeah. that's really all I've got to say on that one. No, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It was only a quick thing, really. That. Um, yeah. So I think that was sort of really concludes like the area around cameras and mm. films. Yeah. And I think if we move on to obviously some of you have a lot of experience with, and that's the development. development. Mm. Mm. So when I first started, obviously I pestered you uh, a few times <laughs> with some yes, simple yeah. questions, and. Um, that's- yeah. It's hard when you first start, and uh, not all of us yeah. have done workshops. I've got people around us. Well, I never, I never did everything that I figured out. I figured it out myself. Yeah, um, which is amazing. With with this, it's mind you, my background. I, I mean, I've I've got a, a degree in applied physics. I treated it okay. like I would treat any experiment or anything like that i I, I don't use it in my daily job uh, <laughs> but yeah keep it standard keep it simple only change one thing at a time to find out what effect it has so 
you go online, go do some research. I mean, I just went into I just went into a shop and went, oh, that's a developer. I didn't know, I, I I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how it worked. I mm-hmm. just grabbed it and it said, "Do this for five, you know, do this for five minutes, see what happens." Yeah, you know, and yeah, I got images. They weren't fantastic, but I got them. You know, so at the which point then you go out and decide what works for you. It's it's a it's a journey, you know, to get out there. So right, do you want to hit me with? With some yeah, yeah. specifics. Yeah, so when you first start out, you've got your film. How do you know how much time you need to develop oh. for, how much mix you need, the dilution? Fair, fair oh. enough. The, the amount of fluid that you need generally is written on your dev tank. So I've got a Patterson Super System 4 tank. Yeah. And... On the bottom, it says you need so many milliliters for for one film. You need so many milliliters for, you know, two films. I brand I branded it up. I use six hundred milliliters. I use three hundred for one film, six hundred for two films. This is thirty five millimeter. You will need to read the tank. It will tell you all underneath what you need to know, or somewhere on the tank it will tell you. So once you've known that, that's fine. The uh, next thing is going to be how much developer that you're going to need. I'm just going to say a very simple three-bath system. So you develop it, you stop it, you fix it, you wash it, you yang it up to dry. Nothing nothing fancy here. <laughs> so uh, there is a great um, – well, there's, there's two ways of doing it. When you buy film, uh, not bulk load, a proper – bit of film a proper you know roll of film the box it comes in on the inside has the instructions to develop it in a very simple way it will give you a list of developers it will give you a list of times and a list of temperatures so the easiest thing you can do is pick one of those at the dilution it tells you at the time it gives you it will give you a medium contrast negative Yep. Secondly, if you look online and do a Google search for massive dev chart, that's massive space dev space chart, it will give you a huge listing of about every film that you can imagine and every developer that you can imagine. It will then, you look up what film you're using, what you're using, and it, it will give you a load of recipes. You can, you can just pick from there. Uh, and do and do that. Mixing is very mixing is very easy on there. I think we've already gone into that on a previous, that's on a right, previous yeah. podcast. Um and that's that's it, that's all you need. Now, again, don't be afraid to experiment. Changing times and temperatures and developer concentrations will change how they work. For example, uh I love Rodinol, it's my favourite. I use it for, for pretty much everything. And the less that you use, so the less that's actually in the mix, you start getting what we call a compensation effect. So say your shadows are very, you know, highly 
I say it was a very bright scene and the shadows are, are very dark. Mm-hmm. Because you're using not a lot of developer, those won't get developed quite as much because it will exhaust the developer in those areas. Mm. Whereas the highlights will develop as normal because there's less, there's less silver grains there to be developed. Okay. So, because remember, it works opposite because it's negative. Because it's yeah, negative. And yeah, it so you start getting these effects. Uh, you can, there's a lot of, ri- of stuff written down about it. But really, really easy if you want to pretty much guarantee images. If you take HP5 Plus and give it 11 minutes at 1 plus 50 in road null, that so that will be in a tank of 600 milliliters that will be 12 milliliters of developer of road null add enough water to go up to 600 milliliters so it'll be 588 if my mm-hmm. maths is correct at this time <laughs> of night you you pay your money you take your chance <laughs> put your film in there for 11 minutes um for the first 30 seconds slowly to you know turn it upside down and, and the right way back up again. Every minute, turn the tank upside down twice over about a 10-second period, you will have images. They might not be mm. perfect for you, but you will have you will have images. The problem is, is until you start seeing what you're producing, you can't tailor what you do. Now, for me, that 11 minutes at 1 plus 50 is great. I'm very happy with the results. If I haven't got enough contrast, I can add some in afterwards when I make the print. But generally, I'm happy with that. So, you know, it's... Mm. That that will give you a very easy... That'll give you a very easy thing. Developing black and white is easy. As I said before, it's actually very difficult. I mean, if you don't watch your temperature that much, even if it's two or three degrees out, it, it won't really make that much of a difference. It's more susceptible to being cold than, than hot. So you don't really want it to be too cold. But if it's 21, if it's 20 degrees and you do it at 21 over 11 minutes, I bet you can't tell the difference. Yeah. yeah so, you know, if you give it, say, make it 25, you probably would do. But, you know, again, it's whatever whatever works for you. What I do is I have one thermometer which everything I do is based off because it, that was the very first thermometer I used. So everything I have is calibrated against that thermometer. So that thermometer says 20. It probably isn't 20, but that's where I went from. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you would do science in school. Keep it simple, keep it standard, make life easy for yourself. If you change three things, and you produce brilliant, brilliant negatives, or they're absolutely shocking, you don't know what actually caused that. You know, just change one thing at a time. So, you know, you think, oh, I don't like the look of these negatives. They're too contrasty. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to reduce my time. I'm going to give them less time. Or, you know, I'm going to give them 10% less. So what happens if I knock one and a half minutes off? You know, oh, I don't like them. What happens if I add one and a half minutes on? They look very thin and horrible. I want to add, you know, add time. 
Because remember, your camera won't meter the same way my camera does. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. There's lots of lots of variations. You can only, you know, the first few times you do it, you'll be in the middle. You'll be in the where everybody else is kind of at. But then you will tailor yourself down until you find a sweet spot for your gear, your film, your developer, and do it that way. Yeah. So that's really pretty much how how do you know it's experimentation look up something then experiment and see what see how it works for you yeah so is there to to go with yeah i think we'll put a link to massive death checks i think yeah. what well, no, no, 90% of people must use that i would have thought so uh, there, there are actually other ones as well but uh, that's the one i tend to i tend to look up if um, somebody asked me a question the other day and, and I went and had a look on Massive Dev Chart because mm. what they were telling me didn't sound right, but I wasn't that familiar with the film and developer com- combination. So I'm okay. like, well, I'll go and have a look and see what that says. Yeah. And then I'll come back. My gut feeling says that's wrong. However, just because I think it doesn't necessarily make it true. And <laughs> you will find a lot of people have a lot of opinions where they claim it's right but it's really what what they think or it's a gut feeling it's not necessarily empirical fact yeah that's right yeah there's a lot of that yeah yeah there's a lot of people talk a very good photograph yeah so but as i said as long as long as you're having fun that's the main thing yeah yeah well that's fine um yeah so i'll i'll pull into that on um, so then, if we flip this on its head, yeah. how, how do you know when your chemicals are exhausted? Right. Um, <laughs> you're going to like this one. So <laughs> I hope everybody has a strong stomach who's listening. Developer is very much like your hydration levels. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know when you when you go to the toilet and you go for, uh, shall we say, a number one, mm-hmm. and you look down, it looks like apple juice. Yep. Yeah, you don't want to see that. You do, you don't want to be producing that. In your chemistry, shouldn't look like that. If it's like that, it, it's had it. It mm. should be a very nice light straw color. That is, well, I say that this is a generalization. Mm. When it comes to paper developer, definitely it oxidizes very quickly, and the oxidizing makes it go dark. So, okay. like you, if you're doing that, you know that the, you're not you're not right. Neither is the developer. Yeah, that's uh, good. Stop bath comes with an indicator in it, which goes purple when it's exhausted. Um, I always use indicator stop bath. There's a lot of talk about stop baths, whether you should use them, whether you're not, shouldn't use them. I always do. I always use them um, because it saves your fixer. Hmm. You don't have to, but I do. Um, you're... Stop bath in your fixer on the side of the bottle will tell you how many square meters it will process. Ah, uh, okay. So read down the back of the bottle, it will tell you how you need to mix it, and it will tell you how many square meters. I think I use Tetanol Super, uh, Super Fix Plus. So plug, <laughs> plug for Tetanol there, probably more, <laughs> more of that later. Ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> um, and that, well, I think it does something like I calculated it out that I can fix 
like 40 or 50 sheets of 8x10 eight by, eight by in it. In it. Oh, okay. Uh, and, quite a, and quite a lot of film. Again, read the instructions on your bottles. Read, read them. Read them twice. Um, the other thing is, is I tend to find, um, after using them, putting them in the dark room, they tend to get floating bits in them. Like, I tend to chuck my chemistry when I see eyebrow, uh, sort of eyelashes floating in it, and, mm. or it's about eight to twelve weeks old. I don't leave it massively. It's fine and it works fine, but it's starting to get a bit old at that point. So okay. you know, it's time to get rid of it. Uh, although I was going to mention um, developers like. Uh, Ilfosol 3 and those ilk go off very quickly. They only last about three months when they're open. Oh, God, do which I, I think that. you might have found that out. Prognol <laughs> and HC110 do change colour, but they work fine. Hmm. So don't be fooled on those ones. Yes, those do go dark, but they, they still work. I mean, they opened a bottle of, of Rodinol from 1977 and it still works fine. So honestly, it is fine. I mean, Rodinol is everything proof. I mean, it is the only developer you will ever need. It would be better if I'd have started with that in a way. Yes, yeah. You can't sing the praises of Rodinol. You might see it called Rodinol. You might see it's called um, RO9. You might see it's called Adenol or Adenol. It's all Rodinol. go, Go and use it. You will not be disappointed. You know, it, keep, it keeps forever. It will do everything you will ever need. Yeah. So, as I said, it, it's a bit, um, it's a bit like a holy war when it comes to developers. You know, <laughs> from what I'm saying, I, I'm preaching road null, and mm. you'll find the D76 hordes will come with their pitchforks after me. Yeah. yeah. So, and the Ilford HC, uh, yeah, and the Ilford HC people will will be running yeah. after the. You know the 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 Fomadon people, and hmm. again, find what works for you. If you don't like what one produces, there's another one that will do something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you've just got to do that, and you've got to listen to some people. So, like you're saying, Ilfsol doesn't last. So, if you don't much development, it's not for you. Trust me. No, because you won't know. You'll make a mistake, and you will find you get a re- you'll get nothing on your thing. It's gone. It's not working. It's died. And to be honest, when I opened mine up last time, it was that bad. It looked like glue. Yeah, yeah. It was. Gone. It, it was literally like slop instead yeah. of just you know. Yes. I mean, I'm sure that in another podcast we'll discuss how to actually extend the life of these things because you can extend the life of them. With okay. not spending too much money, but that's probably something for another yeah. podcast. Maybe when people are a bit more advanced, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, we've, uh, I know I had this one the other day. Um, when I was loading my film onto a reel in a dark area, uh, mm. I've got a good habit where I use scissors to cut both ends. So it's like a V. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's to help it go into the reel. Yeah. But once I'd started on the reel, I actually found it it cut it somehow. Uh, yeah. I will come Not back sure to, to that. 
if you're loading a reel and it goes horribly wrong, pull out all the film off the reel and start again. It's mm-hmm. it just, just forget it. The other problem is, is what quite a lot of people do is um, you get chemistry building up on the reels. Even though you clean the reel, you know, after you pull everything apart, you should. Yeah, so you've already developed one. Yeah, what I do is I take my every, so many films. Generally, what I do is when it starts becoming awkward to load and it doesn't feel very smooth going on the reel, I'll take the reel and I will give it a good scrubbing with an old toothbrush. I really yeah. work into the channels and mm. get any chemistry out that's holding in there because you just do. Uh, you get it in. Um, photo flow or wetting agent is terrible for it. So a lot of it comes off, but you end up with a bit of a coating and just get an old toothbrush. I think I just use a bit of washing up liquid and, uh, and give it a really, really good scrubbing. I mean, a good scrubbing. And then give it a really good rinse and a clean, because you obviously don't want any washing up liquid on there. And, yeah. get, and mate, you'll be amazed how clean they come. They're probably gone a bit yellow, and you'll find they'll come up white again, and they're ready to go. Okay. But, um, you can use warm water, hot water. The reels are designed to work up to about, I think, about 50 or 60 degrees. So the, the plastic will take it, no problem. And make sure the ball bearings are clean and easy to move around as well because they help with the ratcheting of the film yeah you know? but other than that if it feels like it's gone wrong horribly wrong on the reel you've got no choice but to do it again so no, to have not. fun with that so <laughs> if if you've got a cut in the film though you're probably going to have the same issue, aren't you? You're probably going to have a little bit of the same issue. You're just going to have to take it slow and easy. Sometimes I find, um, because the plastic reels are designed to come apart, so there's a little bit of play in them. When you load it, try and pull them apart slightly. It'll make everything just a little bit wider, and you'll find that it will ratchet on a little bit easier. But it comes down to slow and careful. Even if there's a slight cut in the film, you'll get it on. You will get it on. You'll just have to be careful with it. Too much pressure when it's jammed and it and it'll come out of the reel and that's it. You'll have to start again. It will not go back on again. Okay, so is it? I mean, could you split your film? You could do, but you'll probably cut it halfway in a. Um, you're not going to be able to see it, are yeah, you? Yeah, you're not, you're not going to know where you've cut it. The other thing is you can't really load two uh, sets of f- – two halves of a film on a no. single reel. I know people do it with medium format, but unless you've got a specific reel that will do it – I think mm. Jobo do a reel that does this okay. – you're going to need to use two separate reels to do it. So just be very, very gentle with everything and try and – you know, being gentle and not ham-fisted will get you out of a lot of situations. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think you need a light, tight room or a dark bag? I have done it under the quilt, and I mean changing. And I mean changing films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm dumb chish. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, You don't necessarily need a dark room or a dark bag. It's just they make life easy. 
a yeah. dark bag is portable. You can chuck it in the car and take it with you. Mm. You know, so it gives you a little bit of flexibility for doing other things. But no, as long as it is completely light tight, you can do do whatever. It's really important when you use when you're using film that it's light tight. Film is so sensitive. Even if you can see a little bit of film, uh, a little bit of film, a little bit of light, it will fog your film. Hmm. It will fog. It it is that bad. Yeah. So, but no, you can use any light type source, you know. But warn family if you're going to do it somewhere <laughs> that's dark and you're also hidden in a wardrobe. Yeah. You know, you don't want somebody coming along going, "Oh, what are you doing in there?" But <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're in trouble. But, of course, once you've loaded the film into the tank, you can do it in the daylight anyway because the tank is light-tight. So that the only time you need to be light-tight is out the canister into the development tank. At yeah. that point, once you've done the development, once the developer's gone in, that's it. That's the You, you can expose it to light then, so you're okay. But... Obviously, if you've got it in the developer and you expose it to light, you'll end up with black negatives. So yeah. you need to obviously have drained it. Ideally, sometimes when I get to the fixing stage, I will fix it for maybe a minute and I may have a look what's going on if I've got something I want to have a look at. But All generally, right. I don't open the tank until everything's washed. Once okay. it's washed and it's had the uh, wetting agent on it, then it's it's out the tank. Yeah, yeah, well, that's cool. I, I, I like your point. It's like you you read my mind. Um, so for anyone listening, I do my loading in front of the fridge, and it sounds stupid, uh, but basically it's a very very small room. Uh, there's no window, and the door's that tight because of the flooring. Mm. When it's shut. There is the smallest amount of light along the bottom of the door. So I take my jumper off or my hoodie. And, shove it in the... and then I still turn my back anyway. Yeah. Look at these posh people with a room for their fridge. And, <laughs> and that's all it holds. That's the only thing that's big enough. So I can do this within a couple of um, metres of my sink. Yeah. Are you ready to go? Yeah, and there's a door. So... Um, and then I will switch the light off in the kitchen as well. Mm. That helps nothing come through. But someone, of course, did last week when I was loading film, and I saw a little bit of light, and I was like, oh, well, too late now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Minuscule. <laughs> yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, when all said and done, just carry on. Yeah, you know, it's difficult to ruin ruin things. I mean, film and film photography is a very, very well established technology. We've been doing it for a, you know two centuries. You know, it's down it's down pat. So mostly things don't get ruined now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the film's really good. Yeah. Um, what about using gloves? Um, I so never use gloves. In, uh, okay. Never ever use gloves. Uh, but then again, I don't go around touching anything, and I have negative cleaner. If I do accidentally touch something, I give it a clean with a negative and get the finger mark off. Um, but just hold the film by the edges, and that's it. You know, you use your eyes to look, not your fingers. Yeah. 
So no, I've never ever used gloves. I've okay. never felt I've never felt the need. Maybe with larger formats, I would. Yeah. Um, say if I was shooting eight by tens, maybe I would. But I know somebody here. Um, he shoots eight by tens on eleven by fourteens. He never uses gloves. Oh, okay. So just don't just don't touch them. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. What about, what about um, during development? Um, when you're developing your negatives and you've got them in water, and this is particularly important on stand development, it will soften the emulsion. You definitely don't want to be touching. You don't want your fingers anywhere near it. You mm. will ruin your film very easily if you touch it while it's wet. Mm. So you don't want to drop it. You don't want to bash it up the wall. You don't want to do anything with it. The The longer that it's in the developer, the longer it's in water so as longer it's in the process the worse it becomes so with stand development i mean it almost goes like mush so if you touch it it you will mark it you know 10 15 minutes normal you know quick quick wash quick quick wash and blow dry you're not too bad but yeah you don't want your fingers anywhere near it old old film by the edges that's what it's designed for okay that's cool um, one of the things I discovered uh, after doing a bit of development recently was uh, one twenty film, especially mm. have no labels. Yes, yeah, so you have no idea what your film is. Yeah. Now, from the thirty-five millimeter point of view, as he grabs a sheet of negatives in front of him, mm. it's generally written on it what it is. So it's very easy to go. Ah, right, okay. This is whatever because it's written on the it's written on the negative. Um, yeah. What I do is when I sheet the negatives, I write um, a little note that goes in at the bottom of the negative carrier of the uh, negative sheet, so I know what what's in there. Yeah, FOMA is bad for this. FOMA never writes anything down on bulk loaded. Uh, 35 millimeter so you don't know what you're looking at so it's doubly important to make notes of these things mm. uh with the 120 then <laughs> i'm afraid you're you're on your own with that one that is yeah. that that is a, a pain when, it, when you don't know but yeah yeah so i think what you're saying before though is this is where documentation can be handy or yeah. um, basically just write a little note. So yes. you could get a little bit of piece of paper and put it at the bottom of your film clip while it's drying or save your film box if it comes in a box and mm-hmm. attach it there or near where you're drying it or just write down. Um, you've just got to be a little bit more organised. Um, yeah. Now, from someone with my experience of shooting a lot of weird films, um, they could be labelled incorrectly as well. Yes. <laughs> so I obviously shot a little bit of washy film recently, which um, is rebadged um, from whatever films uh, he had. So they're not labelled right. There is nothing on the uh, uh, negative itself. Um, they don't always come in boxes. 
So you've got to be very, very careful and be uh, writing stuff down, to be honest. Yes, yeah. That, as I was going to say, that, that's workflow on your, yes. on your particular how you work. I mean, I, I know pretty much anything I lay my hands on is only going to probably be one of three films. So if I'm not sure, if I put it on the enlarger and I have a look at the grain structure, I can probably tell you what it is. Because HP5 Plus will have larger grains than, say, FP4 Plus or FOMA 100. And I know it's only going to be one of those films. So yeah. I'm not I'm not too bad. I mean, I do have some other things, you know, hanging about, but but I know you know I've got a note written on, so I know what they are. So when the person comes up and says, "Oh, did you shoot this one?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, that was Oriental Seagull," or some other bizarre film that I'm to pick up. But mm-hmm. I generally tend to stay away from bizarre films, and I shoot what I know. I know it's not as exciting, but you get better results. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I totally understand. Um, not everyone's like me, and I think um, being more like what you're doing is far more sensible. Um, I'm just not sensible. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, see, you'll settle into it, as I said. Yeah, just we'll because, because what I'm doing doesn't necessarily mean I do it 100% of the time, and it yeah. also doesn't mean that you have to do it as well. So, no, you know, no, no. I, I want to be um, like what you're saying is because I don't want to ruin any films. I don't want any silly um, mm. weird developments coming out or weird things with my negatives. I want consistency. So yeah. I improve my workflow or I change it. And like you say, if maybe I only shoot one film 90% of the time, and shoots different temps at a time. I'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's just because I've got overwhelmed um, by um, people I've podcasted with and people introducing me to new stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to try that, I want to try that, I want to try that. Mm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you do. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, at the end of the day, just go and enjoy, you know, have, have fun. Have fun with yeah. it. There's a lot going on here, you know. There's a, there's a, 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 you know, there's a lot. There is a, such a lot going on with film photography. There's so many choices to make. You know, it, it's a, a lot more. It's, it's very flexible, but that with flexibility becomes that problem of there's too many choices. Yeah. But on the flip side. You've got to be careful because if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem starts becoming a nail. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, <laughs> so so there's that on the on the flip side as well. So yeah. there you go. No. You weren't expecting some so some good sayings <laughs> there. There we go. No, no, that's cool. Right. Mm. Hashtag looks like a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think that um, covers our development uh, side. Okay. So I think finally, um, to, to look at the printing elements, um, mm. let's use um, some similar examples. Um, how do you know when your paper is too old or do if you've been little old paper? What I would do is the first thing I would do is get um, in the dark room with a safe light on, 
doing all the normal things, pull a sheet out. Then I would put the, put the rest of them away. I would turn the lights on and I would expose it for about 30 or 40 seconds to ambient light. Mm-hmm. Then I would develop it and see what it goes like because oh, right. it should go pitch black. If it goes grey or there's any marks on it or anything like that. I had some paper a while back and it was postcard paper. And, you know, it was six by four and actually had the bits of the back for a postcard. Yeah. And it had gone completely through and ruined the paper. Because when I put it in the developer, the first thing it did was show straight through. Uh, right. I mean, it showed straight through on the... As soon as it went in developer, it showed. And then okay, it went pitch black, so that was okay. But you mm. couldn't make a print from it because it showed that coming through. Um, that's the other other thing is once you ascertain it can go black, then do a print with it and see what the print looks like. If, if I'm a, brutally honest and you're starting out, the worst thing is having out-of-date paper because you don't know if it's you or you don't know it's the paper. Yep. Go and buy new paper and start with everything afresh. This comes back to the keep everything standard and then yeah. you know what's causing the problem. Because a brand new pack of Ilford or Kentmere paper won't have a problem. Yeah. Fresh developer won't have a problem. Fresh stop bath won't have a problem. Fresh developer won't have a uh, Fixer won't have a problem. Run it through there and then you know what's causing the problem. You know, if you've got old paper and your results are up and down, then it's probably the paper that's the problem. Hmm. But you won't know it because you don't have that pool of experience. I mean, I've got some old out-of-date paper here, and it's fine, but I don't really trust it because I don't know whether I'm going to get consistent results from it. I'd much rather have new paper and I know it works. Hmm. So you end up with all these... Um, not problems, but you can help to sort of minimise it. But don't throw the old paper away, because it might actually be okay. Just sit it on a shelf and then come back to it when you feel you're able to. And then you'll know within the first five sheets whether the box is scrap. If it's scrap, chuck it in the bin. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, some good points. Um, is it a problem to actually touch your paper with your hands? Because um, I'm thinking... Um... Yeah. If you touch your paper and you've got chemistry on your hands, yeah, you'll ruin it because it'll either develop it early or it'll leave finger marks. Or if you've got fixer on there, it'll take off the... It'll actually take the... the, the you know, the uh, silver gelatin will be off. So what to do is to have tongs. Always use tongs. In fact, I was having this discussion with um, my film photography group up here because there's quite a few of us. And we've got a Facebook uh, messenger group. And we're saying about tongs, and I'm like, get tongs. You don't want to be putting your hands in chemistry. And there's a guy on there that said he used to put his hands in there and he had terrible skin problems. And it took ages to get rid of them after because he was putting his putting his hands in chemistry. Well, you do not want to be putting your hands in it. And then you've got uh, toners like selenium and heavy metal toners. You definitely don't want those on your skin because you'll absorb the metal through them. 
admittedly, selenium toner doesn't have that much in there, but I'd be more worried about the ammonia it's kept in. However, <laughs> you know, you still don't want to be doing this. You know, you're, you're far, far better off just go and get tongs and don't touch it. And then you, your hands never get wet with chemicals and you never have a problem. I, it's happened a couple of times to me where I've not been looking what I'm doing and I've got ended up with a wet hand and you go, ah. So I always keep towels and plenty of towels handy in the, yeah. in the dark room. That I can just grab a towel, up and wash my hands, towel my hands off and I'm nice and dry and ready to go. Yeah, so, that's a good tip. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And you can use old tea towels. It's great. Go and grab a load of tea towels and then go and buy your, your significant other a load of new tea towels. Mm-hmm. They get something nice and you've got tea towels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll do what I we do. Um, because we're going through clothes, because the, the daughters are growing, you can just use the old clothes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is quite that's handy a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. So I've got a dressing gown at the minute from my youngest because she's too big for it now. So yeah, so you'll now you know, rip it up into rags and yeah, and away you go. No, it's perfect. That's a really good idea. But really don't just idea. have kids for that reason. Sorry, say that again. Don't just have kids for that reason, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, too right. Um, <laughs> one thing we discussed um, was. Do you have to be gentle moving your print from the developer tray to the stop to the fixer? I'm, I'm reasonably gentle. I mean, you've got to grab it so it doesn't fall. You know, you've got, you've got to hold it hard enough that it doesn't slip out and fall on the floor or doesn't fall off into one bath and another bath. But, you know, you've not got to treat it like, you know, it's WWE. Yeah. Um, and bash it around and, and beat it to death. You know, it's not it's not UFC in there. Yeah. So you know, there's grip it hard enough. That's fine. I mean, I'm I'm reasonable with it. You know, say so you don't want it falling out the tongs. So you've got to be hard enough. And believe me, at some point you will drop it <laughs> I've done because that. you you just don't hold it quite hard enough. But yeah. you soon get into it. You soon get into it. I mean, I as I say, I like to say the the don't be ham fisted approach. So, you know, be, you know, be reasonable with it, but don't be ham-fisted. I hope everybody understands what ham-fisted means. You know, don't be clumsy or stupid, Uh, (laughs) which I am quite often. But, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just be, as you do it, you'll get more skills. You'll know how hard you need to hold things. You know, resin-coated paper is is a lot easier to handle than fibre-based. See, I can remember, I can remember it's fibre-based paper now. Because last time I was on, I couldn't remember. It's really embarrassing. Um, yeah. So you know, just doing it will give will get you the skills. So you know, I'm. I don't think I'm particularly rough, but I don't think I'm. You know, I don't treat it. I don't treat it like I'm. I'm walking on eggshells. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... Can you tell when you've not washed your prints correctly? Only usually when they start going yellow or fading or get stains. Right. Uh, um, if you look in the box of paper, there should be instructions in the box. Mm-hmm. 
read the instructions it will tell you that i think uh, resin coated paper needs about five to ten minutes something like that um so i generally tend to give it 15 minutes because it's based on how well you're washing it and um how cold the water is okay because the you know the how it how it works to get the chemistry out of it it works on diffusion it basically diffuses out of the paper into the water so you want to make sure that it's well agitated so you've got the highest gradient possible yeah. and chemistry is heavier than water so it'll sink to the bottom yeah. i have a print washer not sure how good it is because the thing's many years old and is is pretty much at the end of its life still works but it's pretty much at the end of its life and i always give it a few minutes more to make sure i've yeah. never i've never had a problem with it mm. so but your mileage may vary on that one uh mm. fiber based fiber based paper needs a lot of washing a lot of washing uh i actually use some hyperclear with it as well which is um a sodium a sodium sulfite solution so the sodium thiosulfate in the uh, in the fixer really doesn't like water very much so it doesn't really want to move out from where it is whereas so sodium sulfite will actually displace the sodium thiosulfate and they lo and that loves water so it loves to wash out so it aids the speeding up of washing that that's a very quick overview obviously there's a lot more complicated stuff going on there so i don't want to yeah. seem like i'm patronizing anybody but <laughs> you know um so i tend to do that because i like to minimize the amount of water i'm using as yeah. much as i possibly can but i still want to make sure my prints are really 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 well washed so usually you find out if you haven't uh, washed the fixer out when you come to do some selenium toning and everything turns yellow because it's not washed enough um okay. i'm going to shamelessly plug can I can I shamelessly plug myself? Mm, is, that, is that horrible? I'm I'm sorry. This is a shameless plug. No. Um, I was having a conversation on uh, Instagram, and I was speaking to Technol in Europe, the head office, mm -hmm. and we I ended up sending some prints over to them, and I was featured on the Instagram feed. So, so thank you. That that's me pushing myself slightly there. My Instagram feed will probably be at, at the bottom of at the bottom of the podcast in the description. And I, one of the prints I sent was a fiber-based print, and it was um, very slightly selenium toned. And that was um, how I knew that it was washed right because I was thinking when I selenium tone it, if there's a problem, I'm going to find out in the next two minutes. Uh, okay when there's a problem but there wasn't so i must have washed it okay you can actually get kits that um will tell you if you've washed it but right. i've never used them i've just given it more washing than recommended yeah. and it's been okay Makes i sense. think if i if i think if i had a lot of problems with it then i might be more inclined to to go for it but generally i haven't had a problem he says to, yeah. to uh, touching well i'm looking around for something wood and this ikea desk i've got i don't think it's it might have seen a tree once but <laughs> i think it probably walked past it so
So, <laughs> so yes, I have an IKEA desk in my office, so. mm. <laughs> which I think you saw when you visited, which wasn't very yeah. exciting. It's mostly made of monitors at the moment, but I think that's overly important for the for the podcast. Mm. <laughs> lots of nice things in his room. Lots of books. Lots of prints. I, in fact, actually, now it looks like a bomb's gone off in it because Christmas happened. Okay. Yeah. So you you saw it when it was under control. Now it's <laughs> now it's a riot going on in here. I need to actually get in here and sort it out. But that my domestic issues are not are not the focus of of this podcast. Honest. <laughs> Honest. I'm not being judged. I'm not being judged. So you, you've said um, a little bit there about uh, the colours that can change. What if you've got little blobs and stains on your prints when you finish? Oh, um, well, uh, when you say blobs and stains, do you mean like dust marks? No, big M or bigger. Yeah, so either. I might be inclined to chuck it back in and give it another fix just in case. Okay. But if you if you've got, I mean, a fixer fixes a lot of problems. I mean, if you've got stains or anything like that, hmm. fixer might well might well take them back out again if it's ah. caused by you know there's chemicals hanging around in there or or there's something not right. Again, it, it depends where these are coming from. I mean, if you've touched your finger to it mm. uh, with chemicals on, you probably know you're not going to save it. Right. If Either. the paper's iffy, you're not going to you're not going to save it. You know, there's the best will in the world. You know, it, it's, there's nothing you can do. It comes down again to the paper. I mean, I've had paper stored in a loft with the sun hitting it, and it's been fine. I've had stuff that I've stored perfectly, and it's been no good. So it tends, it seems to be a hit and miss. That's why I'd kind of advocate new paper because you know, 10 to 1, it's going to work. Yeah. You know, it just gets rid of one potential issue. I mean, that's not saying that the paper you have is an issue, but if you suddenly start getting random things happening, you have to ask yourself, why are these random things happening? Is there something on my negative? Is there something in my enlarger? You know, has my enlarger bulb got a problem? Because I had to replace the enlarger bulb in uh, my enlarger last year. Um, I got I got them from AG Photographic in Birmingham. Not I am not affiliated, by the way. This is not a paid promotion. They just happened to have what I wanted, and uh, and and they sent it up. So. Um, not for free, obviously, it costs money. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that if something goes wrong, you need to kind of figure out what part of the process it went wrong in. Yeah, but like you're saying... If Which you've... sometimes is easier said than done. Yeah, and if you've already stained it... it... Yeah, it's already stained, it's gone. I mean, if if every time you do a print and you get the same mark, hmm. it's either going to be the negative... Or the paper. Yeah. If it changes and things are not looking right and it changes, it's probably not the negative. It could be, you know, it, it, as I said, an outside chance, an enlarger bulb, which has got a problem. But you'll know about that pretty quick because it will blow or it will 
my the enlarger bulb that I had in my enlarger, the backing had started to come off it. Oh. And I was starting to get like um, sparkles everywhere. Oh, and I'm like, well, what's happening here? And I took it apart and went, oh no. Right. <laughs> so we're straight out in an air duster lake. You know, it's then needing a, it's then needing a a new bulb and a clean out, and some of the electric contacts didn't look too clever, so I cleaned those up. <coughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's strange, isn't it? Like you can have these weird issues. So even you know, someone with experience like yourself, you come across things for yeah. the first time. <coughs> we're all in the same position. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But when something happens, then you've got to say, ah, right. Yes. You've got to go and analyse where the problem's coming yeah. from. So I think... No, that's, uh, as I said, that's sometimes easier said than... Yeah, done. of course it is, yeah. Because um, it takes a while to probably get an understanding of, um, like I say, when you're developing and printing, which bit does what. Uh, so if you have a problem mm. on the second part of the third part, did the first part cause it? Did the second part cause it? Or some external? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you do. You, know, you will build up uh, a knowledge, won't you? That's it. Yeah, exactly. And as a, as Mister Spock says, when you've removed, you know, every other problem, whatever's left, no matter how odd, is the problem you have. Mm. So. So yes, I am a I am a fan <laughs> of Star Trek. I do not dress up. I just say that I do not no. dress up. But <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, but um, yeah, the problem becomes in being logical, analysing where you want to, where you are, and where you yeah. need to be. Yeah, I think if we could summarise these three sections of mm. cameras, uh, development, and printing. I think the first thing is, yeah, be logical and think about either what's gone wrong uh, or what steps you went through. And then the second part of that is get a good workflow. Mm. Yeah. And I think your suggestions um, will help you, especially at the beginning. So buy fresh chemicals, buy fresh paper and be consistent with film. Mm. Yes, but also remember to go and have yeah, fun. Exactly. Yeah. So well. just be consistent about some of it because it, it's it's a bit of science at the end of the day, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what I try to do is put a bit of a sort of try to be scientific. Yeah. In their yeah. It, it's methodical as well. Um, yeah. With it, absolutely. and if it isn't, you'll get different results, and that's ace if you want mm. in it. But I think until you. Um, until you've had to go a little bit yourself, uh, you, you won't know. Um, but as far as the the camera side's concerned, don't ever worry. We're, we've all been through these mistakes. There's plenty of people out there that will listen to you. Uh, and obviously we yeah. will. You know, you, you, yes, yeah. I mean, I'm going to gonna try and pass that on to others. Mm, yes, correct. I mean that that's the other thing is ask for help. I mean there's so many there's so many resources now online that most questions have been asked or answered. 
you know. And as I say, the, just when you ask for help, just look. sometimes think about some of the things that come back because some people could be very experienced, uh, could be very enthusiastic, but not very experienced. Yeah. With things, so... But I'm, I'm sure that if people have got a problem, they ask a question, it will get solved very quickly. Yeah. And I think you, you shouldn't be too scared. If if you've had bad experiences before, some Facebook groups and stuff, mm. just get in contact. Um, there's bound to be me or yes. someone else yes, I'll be able to help. Yeah. Uh, and, and I never look down on anyone because I've been in these positions myself. And I always remember one thing you said, Leighton, was um, if you get stressed, put it away and walk away from it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. definitely. So whether that's in the dark room, developing, <laughs> or even shooting, put your yeah. camera away, go talk to someone, have a laugh. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, very much so. It's very easy. It's very easy to get frustrated in the dark room. Very easy when things are just not going your way. You're just right. That's it. I'm not doing any more today. I just yeah. walk away. Uh, and I've definitely done that. <laughs> for, um, for oh yeah, I've definitely done yeah. that as well. More than more than yeah. once. So we both hope um, you found something useful there. Um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to Leighton and following his advice. Uh, is there anything you need to add, Leighton? No, no, not at all. Just thank you very much for listening. And um, you never know, I might be back on here at some point. So, so please keep listening to the podcast and you know, and, and go and have a look at our Instagram feeds and our Facebook feeds and everything else. Which we'll link (laughs) at the bottom um, as usual. That's it. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Thanks for joining in again, Leighton. It's appreciated. It's been absolutely Mm. been my pleasure. And uh, we will speak to you all again very shortly. Yeah. Good night. Bye-bye. Well, folks, that's the end of another show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed making it. It's always great to have a guest on with me. Um, please do share the post and podcast show as much as you can where relevant. Um, if you have time, please do not forget to review this on iTunes. Uh, just hit the review button and give it five stars, please. Uh, it's always helpful. Uh, <clears throat> it's motivation for me to keep the show going and I want to keep this going for as long as possible and basically I'd like to get lots of lots of different and interesting people on here so that's what I'm trying to do thank you again and see you next time bye